You're listening to another episode of The Zag as we continue on our quest to interact with great NLC alums from across the country. Talking to a 2012 NLC Jersey alum, Dr. Yatunde is here. I'm Eric Dassault. You're listening to The Zag. Let's get to it. All right. I think you're the first doctor we've had on The Zag, so congratulations for it. (laughs) Thank you. Um, for those that don't know, what are you a doctor of specifically? Well, this is a PhD, so it's not an MD. So <laughs> I have my PhD in global affairs from Rutgers University. Nice. And then with the 2012 NLC jersey, how did you get connected with NLC in, in the first place? Oh, Lord. I think – I can't even remember. Was I, I think I was also like an Eagleton Institute of Politics fellow. Um, and – was it Justin Braz? I think Justin Braz <laughs> told me about NLC and was like, oh, you should apply. Um, and I ended up applying and got, in, and, you know, got accepted into it. And it was phenomenal. It's been such a you know, wonderful network to still be a part of. And I think everyone, I think, in, has went on to just do wonderful things. So it's just a wonderful cohort to be a part of. And then were you from the Jersey area or did you happen to be there at that time in your life? How did you get connected yeah, to the Northeast? I am originally from Jersey, born in Newark, New Jersey. And oh, I nice. consider myself a Rutgers breed because I went there for my <laughs> master's and PhD. So um, I would consider myself a Jersey, Jersey girl. However, I do live in Long Island, New York, but I'm, I'm still a Jersey girl. <laughs> totally. And then did you know academia would always be in your future or when did you decide on doing that? Um, I always wanted to go into... Okay, so this is how it actually started. It started off as a vision first. I had a very grand vision for my life that I was going to be like, oh, okay, um, an ambassador, president. And I started checking off my list. Like, what are some of the things that I need to be there just in case somebody, you know, tapped me and said, you're going to be the ambassador of Nigeria to the UN. And literally, I I thought of all of these things. But with that being said, um, I've always been interested in uh, human rights and global affairs and what's going on globally. I started off majoring in journalism and media studies. That was my major as an undergraduate at Rutgers because I had this idea that I was going to be a um, a news anchor and I would talk about all of the global issues or social issues happening around the world. It wasn't until I got a little, I think, older, I think, not that much older, but it's my junior year of college. Um, and I started thinking, wow, well, who makes all of the, who makes these decisions? You know, who's sitting around the table that, that, um, are making policy decisions or global decisions that are affecting a multitude of people, especially when it comes to, um, a social justice and human rights and transparency, all of these things. And I realized that going to graduate school is, was like my second chance almost. It was almost like my saving grace because I felt that that gave me the ability to, to almost start over, but to, to join the pieces together. So um, it started off as an interest and built into, um, I would say, combined with a professional, you know, background, a professional want and need. I'm also in a preparation. Like I was always thinking like years ahead of myself. So I always knew that after college, I was going to go to graduate school. Like the road wasn't clear. Like I didn't know, you know, all of the pieces, but I had a vision and I kind of stuck with that vision, I would say. And then once you got there, was there anything really surprising about the actual profession of being a grad student? Um, the only thing that was surprising, I think when I finished my master's, which was fine, and then I realized that I, <laughs> when I went into now the PhD program and some of the people in my master's programs, again, I got my master's in global affairs, so it was some of the same people. And I remember like it was 
uh, older gentleman in my class, and I was always the youngest in everything that I did. And I asked him, I said, so how long have you been in the program? He said, oh, this is my 10th year. I said, you're what? (laughs) (laughs) I said, you're what? And in the beginning of the program, I didn't realize that when people were telling me that life happens and it does take a long time to finish this, this thing, I guess, I... I I just I just thought no, you guys are just not focused enough. But I realized that life does happen, and it took me seven years to finish. And <laughs> that was one of the major things that I realized that look, you know, you know, life happens, right? When you're pursuing a goal, things do happen, and you just have to stick with it. And I'm always interested to talk to to professors. Uh, and my background is in education. I taught fourth grade for many years, mm-hmm. uh, but talking to professors, it's a same challenge of getting people to learn stuff. You hopefully have people that are staying in their seats more often than some of my fourth graders were staying yeah. in their seats. Yeah. But what do you find has been the most interesting part about trying to learn how to be an instructor, be an actual educator and get adults to learn things? Um, I think one of the major things is that I see now nowadays, especially in the classroom, is that students want to be heard. They have their own ideas. They have their own opinions. But most importantly, when I say they want to be heard, not about how intelligent they are, but actually how they really feel. The word is feel about certain issues. So let me give you an example. Um, the school shooting that happened in Parkland, right? The horrific incident that happened. And I remember walking into the class, what was it? Maybe, I don't remember what day happened, like a couple of days later. And this is a global issues and global problem solving class. These students are analyzing social, um, sustainable, Millennium Sustainable Development Goals, and they are able to pick which, which sustainable development goal from the United Nations that they want to focus for the rest of the semester and figure out how to create policy and all of these things to make it better. So I walked into the class and we were to have that conversation. But what happened is that I said, how are you all feeling today? And they looked around and and they said, and, and one student raised her hand. She said, not well. I said, how do you all feel about what is on the news and what has happened in Parkland? Right. This doesn't have anything to do with our topic right now, mm-hmm. but it does in the, in a larger context. And they all started talking and raising their hand and talking about the issues and, and very poignant, very articulate, you know, very intelligent students. And one student, you know, she said to me and she said, you know, Throughout this whole couple of days, nobody has asked us how we felt. She said, we come to class, we learn all of these things, but we have not yet had a discussion about what was going on and how we feel about these things. And I think one of the major things is is that when you're an instructor or an educator, regardless of what level, there has to be a humanness and a reality that connects to the teaching. I've always been a big believer that if I'm teaching them about comparative politics, how can I teach it to them in a way where they understand it when they walk out of the classroom, right? Not just understand it from an intellectual standpoint of reading the books and understanding the theories, but how do I connect, right? What I am learning in the classroom to what is going on around me. So one of the students had for this sustainable development goal, um, stronger institutions, peace and justice. I don't know if that was goal, I think, 14. And I said, OK, regarding your sustainable development goal, what would you do? How would you change this? How would we create stronger institutions um, or stronger policies to ensure that our children are safe in school? And when I tell you that every student raised their hand to provide whatever policy recommendation. <laughs> 
or no, we shouldn't sell, you know, um, AR-15s, we should ban the software. I mean, from A to Z, they had all that down. But that's just to say that I think as an educator, connecting to a student's humanness and what is going on around them and bridging the gap between what they learn in the books and what is going on in the outside world is what will help them, I think, in the future. So um, that's kind of how I see it in a sense. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, when we come back, I'll ask some more questions about what uh, kids are learning in the professor's classroom, in the doctor's classroom, excuse me. Uh, thanks for listening to the Zag. We'll be right back. We have a PhD student as well who was a 2017 NLC LA fellow. He's at UCLA doing music studies and he gets to create a lot of his own classes and he was on the podcast a little while ago kind of sharing some of those uh, classes that, that he got to make for his students. Is that true for you as well? Do each semester you get to come up with something super cool for the students to go through or do you have to kind of follow a more prescribed curriculum? Well, we do, of course, have a curriculum depending on, um, so at Delphi University, uh, international studies. So there are certain classes, of course, that are core courses that we need to teach, but we have free reign on like the type of books we want to pick, the type of topics we want to talk about. Uh, when I was teaching at Farmingdale State College, I was able to create a course. It was called Women in Comparative Political Development, um, which ended up being cross-lit also with women and gender studies students who majored in that area. Um, so we do have the ability to create courses, to modify, you know, existing courses. And, you know, because as time goes on, especially if you're studying politics and global affairs, um, there's a need to stay on pulse with many of the global issues. So you always want to keep every semester the students up to speed with what's going on, you know, around the world and how that relates to the topic of discussion for that week or that day. And are there certain areas of the world that you find your students are coming in with more knowledge about or they get more excited about when you share it with them? What kind of trends do you see? Well, um, see, that's interesting. Uh, well, of course, a lot of them know a lot about America, <laughs> but, hope, yeah. uh, but um, a lot of them are, are interested in, and I wouldn't say just one specific area, but developing countries um, and their relation to the world. So in a lot of the global issue courses that I do teach, we always start off with a historical foundation. So they have an understanding about like imperial, U.S. imperialism, you know, European imperialism, co colonization. And that sets the stage of some of the global issues that they see happening, especially in um, African countries. Um, previously colonized countries, and then it gives them a broader context. So I, there's a diverse background of what students are interested in. And, and that, that can also be because of their personal background, right? Their own affiliation to where their family came from, um, where, where, you know, their background lies, um, and just their points of interest in the areas that they are more, I think, well-versed in, I would say. That's interesting. And do they get a point at any semester or any year in college for them to travel study abroad? Do you have a sense that they're able to get outside the country and see these things in person for real? Well, absolutely. They do have a chance to do study abroad programs and they have immersion programs, um, which are, which I really advocate a lot of students to take. I just tell, I always tell them, look, you're young now, just do everything that you want to do right now. <laughs> do everything that's on your bucket list. Just do it now. And I think, um, college gives them an open experience, but traveling the world 
gives them more of a global and broader um, experience. You know, what's so funny. I had a student in my class um, and he said, you know, he came from a very, you know, close knit family with certain ideals and values and principles, um, very conservative family. And he said that it was only until he actually dormed in college that he realized that some things that he learned in his whole family, like were off. Hmm. Um, and imagine now a student having that awakening and having that exposure, just living on campus. Now imagine them who hasn't traveled outside of America to be able to see other parts of the world and how other people live. I think it can be a life changing experience. So that's why I always recommend it to them. And many of them take that opportunity to do so. And then last thing I want to ask you on this topic, and then I want to close by asking a little bit about your own podcast, because we love talking to people with their own podcast so we can cross promote. It's super interesting to us. But do you, do you have a sense with the, the students that you're working with in the age of Trump, is there a legitimate uh, commitment to resisting? Is there more activism, activism than you've seen before, especially with the last couple of weeks with the, the Parkland shooting and the students and what they're doing now? Yeah, do you feel like they're actually, you'll see uh, translations of this energy into into voting patterns that would be different than years past for, for, for kids that are of this age? Well, so see, see, there's a balance. Like where I live is, I I would say is more so Republican. Um, so the interesting thing is that during the election time, um, and of course, you know, we receive, we have to be very careful of what we say in the classroom as professors. We don't want to swing anyone's opinion to to favor another candidate. We do have to kind of talk in a way where it's objective, right? And they're perspective and beliefs and values and whatever political party that they associate themselves with is welcomed in the classroom. Now, with that being said, in the light of <laughs> in the light of the political world that we lived in and during elections, I, I saw firsthand how reluctant students were to talk about who they supported. And and as a professor, I, I, I can talk about it, but not push it so much. Now we're kind of post-Trump. He's in power now. And there are a lot of issues that are going on, right? Whether it's in relation to him, whether it's just just issues going on in our society. But what I am seeing now are students who are actually really upset. And they're upset at the fact that they believe that institutions of education are supposed to be safe spaces where they can talk about whatever issues that they have. Um, and they feel as though, just like how the student, um, one of my students came to me and said, you know, nobody asks us how we feel. Nobody's talked about the Parkland shooting. Like it's as if nothing happened. Why isn't this discussion happening? So they're starting to ask questions. And in that asking question, they are actually mobilizing. Um, I hear a lot of students, you know, I'm going to go on March. It was in March on 20, 20, March 24th. I'm going to protest. Many of them are, um, I would say very politically inclined and are doing the best that they can in staying abreast and aware of the issues that are going on and being very strategic of how they carry out their concerns, which I haven't really noticed years back. I feel that more young people are using their voice to really be heard at this point in time. And I think it's a phenomenal thing to see. Yeah, that's great to hear. All right, so give me the scoop on the podcast. How long have you had it? What's the name of it? What have your 
main so, points of conversation on it? How does it work? Okay. Well, the name of the podcast is really Axe Why Podcast. And it, it was just, it's kind of corny, but it's like Axe Why, like the Y, first letter of my name. But anyway, and the, it's a leadership podcast, a self-help podcast, and literally a personal development podcast. I'm literally talking about all the things that I feel as though women, men go through that need to be discussed, right? So whether it's, um, you know, talking about leadership tips and topics to help you in the workplace or just in your personal life. Um, I just actually released episode 39 today and it's titled, How Does um, Society Treat Ambitious Women? Mm-hmm. And in that podcast, I literally talk about how do we treat ambitious women? Are we kind to them? Are we, do we support them? Or does a woman who talks about her accomplishments make people mad, right? Um, is she seen as arrogant, right? And how do other women treat other accomplished women? So these are topics that I talk about, and I really call it a self-help podcast, um, because in all of the episodes, there are portions that will help you to put your best self forward. So in a nutshell, that's what XY Podcast is all about. I like it. And have you had folks reach out to you that have listened? What kind of sense of feedback do you have? So I get a lot of feedback of, oh, this podcast has helped me. I never thought about it this way. So a lot of good feedback. Um, Sometimes I do like feature people and have a conversation. The last couple of podcasts I had, I did a psychotherapist um, and we discussed about like psychological warfare uh, and how people wage psychological warfare, like in the workplace, how your family can do it, your friends can do it, <laughs> how, to, how to identify these things. So people were actually really happy about that. So, All right. Okay. Well, listen, I'm glad you got a great podcast. We'll make sure to promote it in the info section of this one. And thanks so much for being on. We appreciate it. And thanks for everyone For listening to this episode of The Zag, you can find all past episodes in the iTunes store, download and subscribe, or in Google Play, SoundCloud, all the good spots. We'll put up a few more episodes later this week. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon.